Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we are back together. We've got the whole family back together. Andrew and I are in the same room. And I tell you what, it is fantastic without that lag. Though I tried to get Andrew to put a big fat pause in there before he comes in, but he wasn't uh, playing ball. But look, today we are back in the studio together and we're happy to be so. And we're talking about a survey that has just been released by Tony Alexander, independent economist and friend of the show, uh, where he's done a survey of 25 valuers across the country with what they're seeing out in the market. And I think this is fantastic because valuers uh, are so critical to the property market in terms of how it functions, um, but aren't surveyed as much as the likes of real estate agents. And the reason valuers really support the property market is because they make an opinion about what a property is worth, which is then taken as gospel by the banks in terms of how much the bank is actually willing to lend on a property or the maximum amount that a bank is willing to lend on a property. So it's very important. And if you talk to two different valuers, you're going to get two different opinions about what a property is actually worth. So it's very important to understand how are these guys feeling? Because if they're feeling confident about property prices, then we're actually going to see valuations coming into banks that are supporting uh, whatever is being negotiated out in the property market. So we're going to take the highlights from this. And the first thing that I think is really interesting, just before I hand it over to you, Andrew, is that uh, valuers are saying that they base their decisions on data and based on da- on transactions that are actually selling. So real data about what's sold down the road, what's sold across the the street, this kind of stuff. Now, that valuers are saying this is becoming quite tough because the volume of houses sold, or I should say the volume of houses settled within the month of April was so low, it's really hard for them to get a feel for how the market is actually operating. And the other thing that's really interesting is there is a delay in the data that's available. So the the properties that were settling in April were probably negotiated in March because there's a delay between signing a contract and going unconditional when the deal's actually done, and then it actually settling and that data coming out to market for valuers to be able to use when they're making their decisions. But of course, usually if there's a a two-week delay in this data coming out, it's usually not a problem. But because we've got, we're in the midst of a a, a pandemic or coming out of it, it's that kind of delay actually makes a difference within this situation because they're not being able to see, well, what's happening within when people are making deals out in the market right now. And I find that's just something really interesting to point out. So they are a little bit cautious in some ways because they don't have the data to be able to support uh, to the same degree that they usually would. Now, Andrew, what's what's screaming out to you or speaking to you within this report? So I've highlighted, actually, probably 75% of this, which he was laughing at before, but I'm just going to take through some of my main highlights, um, particularly around the region. So um, talking about Auckland, first of all, so um, one of the comments is that the city has been flat for four years, and while incomes have been rising, the prices haven't been increasing at the same rate as we would expect previously. And so um, that will act as an insulation blanket for the current prices against the effect of rising unemployment um, and temporary temporary 
reduction in population growth. Um, one valuer made the comment that he's basing valuations on the quieter periods in 2019 rather than the months of March before lockdown um, when, the, when the market was starting to heat up again. Um, land prices are expected to fall with banks pulling back on financing land development. So banks are being very tough on land and construction or development. And so uh, as a result, land usually gets hit pretty hard. And we saw, definitely saw that in the GFC. Uh, Christchurch, the supply of rental properties has risen, but the rents haven't changed much yet. Uh, so watch this space. Um, price reductions for prices, uh, sorry, price reductions for properties being sold are limited to 0% to 2.5% so far. So just to put that into real terms, $500,000 property between zero and 12 and a half grand. So not much difference at all, if anything. Um, and uh, there's a comment that uh, one one valuer said he expects Christchurch to flatten out for a little bit. Uh, now- Hey, I do just want to talk about Christchurch as, as well, Andrew. And I don't think it's surprising that a valuer should point out that the supply of rental properties has increased, but rents haven't changed because that was one of the central findings that came out of our Airbnb presentation when we were crunching data. We were saying that, look, shifts in supply of rental properties don't make a massive difference to uh, the actual market rents. It's changes in demand that tend to make a big difference. So it's not unsurprising that we should see, look, supply of rental properties increasing, not a lot of change to rents. Not Not unsurprising for us. What would make a difference is unemployment decreasing demand for rental properties uh, and so that's where it would make a difference. Well actually do you think that unemployment actually does create a less, a, a, a less demand for rental properties or do people sell their house and go rent a property so potentially if you need to raise some capital maybe I don't know. I think that would be quite a fringe situation. I mean the thing is that I wouldn't expect demand for rental properties to decrease en masse um, because it is, it's a necessity you can't just stop doing that you can stop buying a whole heap of other stuff but what we've probably all found while we've been uh, under lockdown is you still need a, need a place to live. <laughs> the only situation that wouldn't be the case is if, is if people uh, started grouping together. So uh, and if you had a three-bedroom house and I rented a three-bedroom house and a couple of rooms were, were, uh, were unoccupied and then we decided we're going to go live together. That would be the only situation, but it's a pretty pretty fringy, unless you do want to come live with me, Andrew. Is this your, yeah, I was about to ask, is this your way of getting me to move in with you, Ed? I didn't hear a no. <laughs> Gisborne, uh, interest from both first-home buyers and investors is holding up, uh, and and so they are reflecting the difficulties that they have been experienced pre-lockdown in finding properties to purchase. Um, Queenstown, unsurprisingly, rental prices have dropped approximately 30%. Um, however, they were extremely high pre-COVID-19, and... Um, and and the levels that have dropped, sorry, the levels that have dropped are still at a good level of rent for a landlord. And I guess um, because interest rates have been plummeting, um, you can absorb some of those lost rents because you know your rent, your interest interest, which is your largest cost for most people, uh, is going down at such a drastic rate. Um, prices appear to be down five to ten percent on average, and banks seem to be particularly cautious uh, with this area. And I know one of my clients I was talking to last week was updating their approval for a property in Queenstown and they were, the, the bank was asking a lot more question. Wellington, um, as we know, listings have been and still remain in short supply and there's a backlog of frustrated buyers um, as interest has remained firm during lockdown and that includes Capital Coast. Um, hey, I just want to jump in there as well, Andrew, and talk about Wellington because I'm a bit surprised that uh, the demand for properties has 
remain so high, uh, given that Wellington is kind of at the end of its property cycle. It was already a, a, a coming to the end of its boom, and we were expecting it to, to uh, when I gave another one of my presentations, I was expecting it to go into a downturn more quickly than some of the other regions because of that. So it's really interesting to see uh, that's not what I necessarily would have expected there. I just want to talk about Queenstown for a bit as well, because this is kind of what we'd expect. We'd expect Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, the ones we've talked about, to do reasonably well, good fundamentals, good uh, incomes there, good uh, diversified economies, and some smaller regions, some smaller towns to not do as well. But remember that if all of Queenstown properties were to drop by a significant amount, and we, we are talking about only 10% here, but if they did drop, by an amount that would bring the whole the average down for the whole country potentially, and so you can see um, a lot of properties doing exactly the same, and only some properties doing very poorly, and that can bring down the whole average. And this always comes back to what I talk about, just because the average decreased or increased doesn't mean that the price of your house increased or decreased. So when you do see headlines, if we see headlines talking about price decreases uh, or price increases, just, just see what the data actually says about your particular properties as well, uh, because that may not be a uh, need to panic. I also just want to point out what uh, some first home buyers are saying, uh, where they're saying it's actually cheaper for us to buy now because our mortgage repayments are actually less than we're paying in rent. We've saved heaps uh, into our deposit during the last few weeks, and the banks pre-approved us for more than we thought we could borrow. So they're actually looking for places to, to live right now. And so I'd expect there would be uh, some more first home buyers out in the market uh, looking for, for some good deals given that interest rates have fallen particularly this week uh, well below sub three yes um, there's another couple of quotes here that I just want to read um, good quality homes are still in high demand and so that's one big thing to remember that there will always be the outliers uh, there will always be properties um, particularly at the higher end of the market um, or if they're if they're uh, maybe got a few complexities to them maybe they're a leaky home maybe they're a, a, an earthquake damaged home or something like that those will probably suffer more than the really good quality properties out there in the market and low cost housing and boarding houses are likely to be in hot demand as unemployment rises and uh, one other thing is uh, that the messaging from key banks is that they're open for business and they'll do deals as long as they make sense now one thing I would say there is we're seeing a lot of really good quality clients being declined at the moment um, and I guess uh, maybe not declined uh, for their first property but maybe for their third or fourth property and so banks are being a little risk adverse uh, if maybe someone's growing a portfolio at quite a quick rate. So some of our clients are going to have to slow down their plans at this stage purely because the banks are acting with caution. Uh, and I do just want to talk a little bit about uh, valuers as a whole. So valuers, uh, I hope some of them are listening, um, are unusual creatures. Uh, they, they are inherently conservative and uh, they do have to kind of guess what they think the market will do, but the reality is the market will do what the market will do. If someone's willing to pay a million dollars for a property, if a valuer says it's worth 900, but someone's willing to pay a million dollars, it's worth a million dollars to someone. Uh, Similarly, if they say it's worth 900000 but only someone's willing to pay 800000 it's only worth 800000 But they tend to be conservative, and the valuers that I've spoken to lately are going in at discounted rates out of fear or an expectation of a drop in the market. Now, there isn't necessarily the stats to show that yet, but it is somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If a client who's buying a property gets a valuation that's lower, they are likely to renegotiate the price and make that true. 
true. And obviously the other side needs to accept that lower price, but if they've got a valuation, that gives them a bit of leverage. And so that does sometimes become true because of that. And um, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, but Candice, one of our team members, she actually got a valuation on a property that she's buying herself uh, for an owner-occupied property, which is all very exciting. The first valuation came in about $20,000 under the purchase price from memory. Uh, and it was a bit frustrating for her. The developer couldn't budge on it. it he was not making any more money. Oh, uh, he wasn't making much money on the deal anyway because he was doing her a favour. Uh, and when we went and got another valuation, it came in just slightly above the purchase price. So again, valuers only have to be within 15% of the range for the bank. 15% is their, their margin of error. So just remember, if you do get a valuation now and it does come in low, that's probably just a case of valuers being conservative. It doesn't necessarily mean that the value is not there. Fantastic. Well, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've been thinking about getting into property investment for a while, you're thinking, maybe I should see whether I can do it or not. Why not check out the Property Investor Quiz? I'm going to link to this in the show notes. But just by answering seven quick questions, it's going to give you a yes, no or maybe answer about whether you're in the position to invest within your first investment property. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.